G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Mark Fine. G'day everyone, welcome to the Footyology Podcast. Uh, this is another off-season special and uh, we've got a lot to talk about. Bit of footy news off the top. Uh, we've got vinyl and video counting down our favourite 20 movies and songs of all time. Uh, we've got fantastic footy flashbacks. And this week, we revive another older segment. And uh, hopefully, you'll be all a buzz about that. Some interesting subject matter. But uh, plenty to talk about, as I say. A very good afternoon on this occasion to my footyology co-host, Mark Fine. How are you going, Finey? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. I mean, gee, it's... Uh, this. I was discussing this with a mate of mine. You know, COVID, it's like the West Indian cricket team. You get Delta out and now Omicron's in it. It seems as though... Wouldn't, that be, as though, wouldn't uh, that be the Greek cricket team? Yeah, it sounds Greek, of course. But, you know, it's just a... It, what I'm saying is it, it's a strong lineup, and you're going to have to be on your medal to beat it. So everybody play their best. Well, yes, and we can't afford to get too complacent about it either. I think we both know well uh, someone who has uh, contracted the virus recently. Yeah. And uh, well, I know a couple of people very well. And, uh, and and it's not pleasant. It's not pleasant. People, please do not think, oh, and both these people vaccinated, by the way, please don't think, oh, look, it's just, you know, it's the flu. I'll, I'll have that every year. Uh, certainly one person I know is really struggling to get healthy again. He's not in hospital, but it's a nasty, nasty disease. Yeah, stay safe, everyone, particularly with Christmas coming up only a couple of weeks away. And we all want to be uh, fit and well to be able to reunite with friends and family for Christmas. So uh, keep that in mind. Uh, We've got plenty to talk about, though, and we're going to get stuck into it straight away. On Footyology Newsfeed. Well, we've got uh, some fixture news. Um, the AFL, gee, they're pretty good at uh, keeping the news cycle ticking over. We're just releasing little dribs and drabs of information. Uh, so we haven't got the whole fixture. And uh, I think that's going to be the case from now on. But uh, they have released round one of the men's season. Uh, of course, the AFLW fixture out as well. And, we're going to be covering AFLW season. Don't worry when that starts in early January. But uh, there was a lot of talk in the lead up about the composition of round one in the men's season, what it would look like. And uh, for the first time since 2014, I think finally Carlton and Richmond won't be kicking off the new season because that honour, and uh, some would say rightfully so, and it's a bit of an old tradition revived, the grand finalists of last season 
will kick things off. Melbourne and the Western Bulldogs on Wednesday, March the 16th at the MCG. Carlton and Richmond the following evening at the MCG, Thursday evening, their uh, traditional season opener, Friday evening at Marvel Stadium. Your Saints taking on Collingwood. Three games on Saturday and Sunday. On the Saturday, Geelong taking on Essendon at the MCG. That could be a good game. GWS up against Sydney. The, um, what is it? Battle of the Bridge at uh, 5.10. Brisbane taking on Port Adelaide at the Gabba Saturday evening. And then on Sunday, Hawthorne playing North Melbourne at the MCG. Adelaide playing Fremantle in Adelaide. West Coast taking on Gold Coast at Optus Stadium. So a feast of footy finding, and I think with the final home and away round of the women's season in the lead-up to that round one, there's going to be something like 12 games of football, both men's and women's, played across a 10-day period or some ridiculous thing. Uh, Absolute overdose to kick off the new year of football. What do you make of all that? Well, first of all, fingers crossed, as you said, ending the women's season, starting the men's season, that we have got clear passage between the states because we know as we speak now, WA is closed and borders are not fluid and we desperately need that for the season to work because otherwise games will have to change. We know that. But as it stands, a very clever first round because here in Melbourne particularly, uh, Victoria, We've seen precious little football over the last two years, just a a little burst, well, at the start of season 2021. And there was nothing, was there, or maybe a couple of games in 2020 before the kibosh was put on halfway through round one, I think. So, Well, just just on that, so uh, no games played in Melbourne uh, since round 17 last season. I think Richmond and Collingwood, um, was the last game played in Melbourne before crowds, and that was in about mid-July. So it does seem like yep. a long time ago. So not as a reward, but as a an opportunity to really kick-start big games with big crowds, which is what Melbournians, Victorians love. There are all Victorian clashes and their beauties. The grand final replay, we know Carlton Richmond draw a crowd and Carlton would consider themselves a better chance now than they have been, uh, you know, for five or six years, surely. St Kilda Collingwood, looking forward to that one personally. And, of course, Piles will be very excited. Hopefully they get to see Dick Dacos and a new coach, and that is always exciting. Your games along Essendon's a ripper. I'm glad it's not down the highway. It deserves to beat the MCG. And... They're both aspirational teams in terms of Essendon. It made a great impression in 2021 in the finals. That's a game to win, isn't it? Because sort of the old Warriors, Geelong, are the perfect team for an up-and-coming young quality side to beat. What a great... I think that's a great opportunity. Hawthorne North, I don't know, is it just me? But that's always had cachet. Am I wrong? Oh, no. No, I think it has. Um, Going back to the... They're meeting in, what, three grand finals across five years in the mid-70s? Yeah, yeah. Now, I don't want to be too one-order parochial because a, a GWS-Sydney game is brilliant. GWS, look, they just performed really well last year, didn't last season or the season just passed, didn't they? To, you know, to, to make the finals, it was just a great effort for a team that was 
under the bat early. And Sydney, you loved them for good reason. So these are two teams that look forward, I think, to 2022, don't they? But they hate losing to each other. It's a great way to start the year. Brisbane Port's a ripper. There's some good games. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it does. It's, it's got excitement written all over it, Real. Oh, I'll, I'll tell you what. Sorry, Ashes. I'm looking forward to that round one. Yeah, actually, well, well that's another. We, we won't get into that. But, uh, yeah, the Ashes about to start. It just doesn't seem to have the same buzz about it or something. I don't know what's going on there. Maybe it's – I can't tell if it's me or, or cricket just – doesn't sort of capture the imagination of the public the way it did. But, yeah, uh, I, don't think, I don't know. I, I'm looking at the team. I think, does Travis Head still play cricket? Oh, he's in the test team. That's impressive. Yeah, um, yeah. We'll get back to that. All right. Yeah, but 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 that round, that round of football has me excited. Yep, mate, me too. All right. Uh, we've only got, uh, well, still got several months to wait, let's be honest. But we know what's happening uh, where and when now. Can we make a promise to all footyology fans? What's that? That if Bulldogs beat Melbourne, we won't go down the ridiculous route of revenge for last year's grand final. No, we'll leave that to the Tim Websters of the... Uh... <laughs> revenge. <laughs> it's inevitable. He's said by some idiot somewhere. It sounds like something that Tim Webster would have said back in the day on Sports Tonight or whatever it was called. Uh, all right, a uh, bit of um, injury news. And um, it was a funny, speaking about funny reporting of stuff, or well, not a funny injury, but uh, Collingwood skipper Scott Pendlebury, actually a hairline fracture of his leg, and he has had surgery and a plate inserted in that but i did see a report of that which said scott pendlebury's uh, 2021 is over after a yeah well you know not <laughs> really not that much consequence given that uh, we're in training uh keeps him out of training fortunately for him and the pies for only a couple of weeks which will coincide with the christmas break but um second injury such injury in a short space of time of course he got a a similar uh, injury to the same part of his league in round 19 against Port Adelaide last season, which ended his season prematurely. He's 33 years old. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know about uh, whether that makes him more prone to repeat of this sort of injury, but uh, not ideal. Obviously, ha- having said that, um, no one would ever fault his preparation or his durability over the years, so you'd expect him to come back uh, fully refreshed. Uh, no, and I've got to say that the the ghost of Eddie Maguire still walks the halls of the Collingwood Football Club because the spin on this coming out of Collingwood, and he's not dead, we just know that he's not there. Um, the spin is ridiculous. Oh, not a problem. No worries. Not even a setback. A couple of weeks. He's going to have a couple of weeks off. He'll be there. No problem. Not a worry. It's a, it's a, it's a hairline fracture. On the back of a hairline fracture, it's terrible news. You know what? I was just thinking when you said it that Eddie Maguire is probably one of the few people on this planet who would actually make sure that he had a ghost even though he was alive because he'd want a piece of that pie too, the the, uh, supernatural pie as well. Would the ghosts wait yo-yo like the real Eddies? I don't know, but I'm sure they'd be sponsored and spruiking the Collingwood Football Club as well as the... uh, the living part of his persona. (laughs) 
Uh, <laughs> oh, God, I don't even want to think about that. Anyway, uh, interesting times. And uh, Scott Pendlebury, 33 now. So um, hopefully it doesn't prove to be a setback in terms of his preparation for next season. Uh, clubs resumed uh, pretty much in full at the start of this week, Finey, and uh, a bit of a tradition on that resumption is two-kilometre time trials. And uh, I, I made sure I wasn't looking at too much social media so I could avoid vision of players heaving all over the place. In fact, who did that the other week? It was a Collingwood player who was, I don't know, he must have been regurgitating about five litres of Gatorade or something after a, a fairly brisk workout. And the social no, that's media, how you make Powerade. But the social media people, like, just had no problem sort of tweeting out this picture of this guy mid-chunder as well. Oh, ho, ho. I, can't, I can't remember who it was, but like I'd be really filthy if that was me. Um, anyway, uh, Jake Weaver um, was one casualty of um, the early going finding. He uh, sort of keeled over and fainted after a bit of overexertion. All okay, apparently, but he did get carted off and... Uh, yeah, it's not uh, it's not AFL players' favourite time of the year, is it? After they might have had a bit of break and then uh, get back to uh, being tested to their limits and sometimes um, pushed to the point of uh, well, uh, physical distress. Did he have? A, did he have? A, is it officially a case of the vapors? Because he looks like he's from nineteen twenty two. Jake, <laughs> they gave him some smelling salts. Lever, Lever has a case of the vapors <laughs> and other problems around the league. Uh, Hawthorne's uh, Sicily is back from housemaid's knee and dropsy. <laughs> That's right. He does. He does have that sort of Biggles World War One fighter pilot look about <laughs> him, doesn't he? Um, all right, so uh, anyway, not, not too serious for Jake, and uh, I'm sure we'll see less heaving and fainting and whatever as uh, players sort of pick up the pace again at the resumption of pre-season training. Some good news elsewhere, finally, Sam Doherty, of course, um, he's had uh, some really serious health battles, and great to see him back out on the training track for the Blues, and another long-term casualty for the Hawks, James Sicily back out there as well, and uh, Hawks will be hoping for a big season from him. So encouraging oh, can I, can I ask you a them. serious question? Yes. And we know that Sam Doherty um, has had um, medical issues, but is Sam Doherty in Carlton's best team? That is a very good question, because I, I would say at his best, uh, yes, but the signs... But he's was... best doing what? Getting a lot of the ball like he has made his sort of stock in trade since his double knee reconstruction. You know, he's out, he did two knees. Yeah. And the man that came back was a very sturdy collector of possessions, but without him, they looked like a better team. Yeah, no, it's, you know, it's, a, real, it's a real good point because uh, there's no doubt he's an inspiring presence. But um, in terms of personnel, I guess they're trying to move a bit beyond what he was offering them. Yeah. So uh, Reinvent. Yeah. New yeah. coach. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh yeah, we don't know how Michael Voss sees him or what his plans are for him, but certainly in the watch this space one, I think we'll be watching that with uh, a lot of interest indeed. Did Voss have anything to do with him at Brisbane? Uh yeah, he would have. Uh yeah. He, he, yeah, I think, no, I think he would have. Yeah, so yeah, 
there you go. Even more watch this space. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, there's our footy news for this week. Uh, but time now to, uh, well, indulge a bit of nostalgia uh, as we talk about some favourite uh, moodies and music of days gone by. Vinyl and video. Pressing rewind on our favourite music, movies and TV. Okay, vinyl and video time. And, of course, we are counting down our favourite 20 movies and songs of all time. We had a double whammy last week, just the one instalment this week. But we're down now to number 14. So let's kick it off with uh, movies. And I'm going to reveal my number 14 movie of all time, Finey. And it's a bit of a cult classic. It is certainly one of those movies that has become more popular as time has elapsed. wasn't a huge commercial success when it was released in 1987. But um, interestingly, like a lot of films seemingly around that era and, and the early 90s, it became a cult favourite. It is The Princess Bride, directed by Rob Reiner of uh, Spinal Tap fame. And it stars uh, Kerry Elwes, Robin Wright, Mandy Patinkin, Chris Sarandon, Christopher Guess, Wallace Shawn, and Andre the Giant. And of course, it is a fairy tale. It is a, a tale of uh, romantic love and um, skullduggery and um, death defying acts and uh, all those terrific elements that go into uh, a great uh, rollicking adventure. And um, it is as told by a, uh, well, set in the current day. Uh, and Peter Fork of Colombo fame, of course, plays the grandfather who comes around to visit his sick grandkid, played by Fred Savage of the Wonder Years fame. And um, granddad sits down to read uh, young, I uh, can't remember the character's name, but young Fred, the. Um, the story, and he's less than enthused about the prospect, but of course, uh, gets totally involved in this gripping story. And uh, look, why has it become a cult classic? Well, I guess all the reasons I really like it. It's just, it's got a great vibe about it. It's funny, but it's endearing. The characters are um, uh, likable. Um, it's it's quirky. Um, there's all sorts of cameos. Um, uh, Mel Smith pops up, Billy Crystal pops up in it, um, all sorts of interesting cameos. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, very quote-heavy, you know, there's lots of lines that people quote over the years. Um, you know, the plot's fairly sort of predictable in some ways, but it's engaging. And um, I don't know, it's a, it's a feel-good movie that isn't sort of mawkish. It, it's a feel-good movie that genuinely feels good. It's, you know, it's not sort of foisted upon you. I don't think I can describe it any better than that. Um, anyone who's seen it, I'm sort of sure is sitting there thinking about all the reasons they really like it, but it's one of those films you can watch every so often and still get a laugh out of it because of the characters and, and the lines and the way it's written. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I really genuinely love this film. It sort of tugs at the heartstrings without sort of, overdoing it and makes you feel good about 
human nature and about love. And I've got to admit, you know, I know this is going to sound pretty funny coming from a crusty old sea dog like myself, but uh, I am, I do like the concept of romance and uh, I'm a little prone to it myself on occasion. So maybe that's what appeals to me about it. I don't know where you sit on the Princess Bride, Finey, but uh, I'm tipping given your uh, film going history, it probably is a film that you have seen. Yeah, I saw it roughly a couple of years after it came out and it was already gaining traction as a bit of a, oh, cult classic, you got to see this, I love this, I love this. And I think I saw it with a couple of people that were quoting lines before they happened. I couldn't quite immerse myself that deeply into it, but it seemed like a really nice movie. You know, you are an absolute sort of um, uh, 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 riddle wrapped up in a box, wrapped up in a conundrum, aren't you? Because in I can imagine you go to the movies playing Rage Against the Machine, watching Princess Bride, and then going home Nine Inch Nailing It or something. I mean, it just doesn't make sense to me that your music is brooding and angry and edgy and hard and your your soft centre of the movies. It's quite funny. But isn't that good? Isn't that good? I'm unpredictable. I, I, I can't, no, it's I, predictable. I'm, I'm starting to predict it. You know what would be unpredictable? If next week your favourite song was something by maybe Barbie Girl and your favourite movie was you know, Silence of the Lambs or something. That that would be the juxtaposition that I look forward to. Haven't you worked out yet? See, those who know me best know that, uh, you know, underneath this flint-hard exterior lies a very soft and cuddly teddy bear. And I guess that's revealed sometimes in um, my choices of movies and TV shows. I'm I'm a shocking crier in anything vaguely, <laughs> vaguely emotional, you know. I've, I've, I, don't tell me you cried at Princess Bride. Uh, I can't remember. It's not impossible. I certainly, I remember, I definitely cried in E.T. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm a sad cry, but I'm a happy cryer. And love love really makes me cry. God, this, this few minutes is going to be really taken and held against me, isn't it, by <laughs> some evil Maybe. bastard. But... Um, Yes, no, I, I I am prone to a bit of sentimentality. Anyway, do go on. My so do, you, do you actually like the film, by the way? Look, it was a long time ago, so I don't really have a deep recollection of it. But I would say, I, you know what I would say? I'm surprised I didn't watch it with my kids. Mm. No, but that it was a, it was. You know what I think Natalie did? I think I think. We have had it on DVD or back in the day, whatever they were, CDs or something. Well, your, um, cho- your choice last week was a um, archetypal watch with your kids movie, Stand By Me, and I think that's a very good call. I think this is a movie you should watch with your kids yeah, as yeah. well. Anyway, your your choice, your number 14 film. Well, this is my sneaky masterpiece. Um, it does have some traction as a really good science fiction sort of outer space um, watch and many people, most people haven't seen it, I don't think. It didn't have a huge run at the movies. It was 2001, the movie K-Pax, and I fear because of Kevin Spacey's situation and position now where not many people are rushing to play his movies either on TV, at cinemas anymore, his reputation and... He's, the facts of his life now preclude a lot of viewing and he was a great actor. 
He stars in this along with Jeff Bridges, who I love in many different roles. It's directed by Ian Softley, and it's based on actually a novel, and it's a very honest take of the novel. I think the novel upon release was quite successful and immediately snapped up for movie rights by Gene Brewers in 1995, also called k Look, it's full of interesting it's an interesting situation it's a it's an explanation of maybe life beyond this planet but i don't want to spoil it i'll say this much kevin spacey arrives at a mental hospital the manhattan psychiatric institute and he is claiming he's in he's just a normal looking person he claims to be from a planet called capex and his name is prote and he's just treated as a normal patient. Medication doesn't seem to work on him. And things start to happen that are not normal for a normal person. They do some research and find out that that person that came is a man called Robert Porter, who has suffered a terrible trauma in his life. And I'll leave it at that. The doctor attending to him is a psychiatrist played by Jeff Bridges. Dr. Mark Powell, and what happens thereafter is both uplifting and thought-provoking. So it's a good movie. And I just, um, yeah, I want to hear more about this, but, you know, like last week I was complaining about film trailers and how they can be alternately terrible, give you no idea about the film, or misleading or just messy. So, like... And I, I knew nothing about this. I don't remember even hearing about the existence of this film. So I watched the trailer and it was a really good trailer. It really got me interested. So then I went down the YouTube rabbit hole and I dug up three or four different clips from the movie. And I'm now hanging out to see this movie, which is a, it's a nice feeling after um, being actually inspired to watch a movie after seeing the trailer. It looks terrific. And what I loved about it was exactly what you said, the fact that, you know, we're talking about uh, extraterrestrial life, et cetera. But it's, Maybe. Yeah, but, okay, sorry. Yeah, well, I... I no, I'm, I'm saying sorry, that's the movie. Well, I'm, I'm in the dark here too, but yeah. it, it just seems so plausible. The yep. scenes, even in the trailer, is very plausible. You know, it wasn't some huge spaceship landing and some weird-looking thing jumping out. And it it did make me think, you know, if we do discover the existence of other life or whatever, this is probably how it will pan out. And um, for that that reason, I I think it's a really, yeah, I'm I'm really, I hope I can watch it easily somewhere because I'm really, really keen to see it. And it's just, I don't know, it's sort of amazing to me we didn't hear anything. Well, I didn't hear anything much about it at the mm. time. So, I will, um, I will give away something at the end of the movie because it's not relevant to the actual plot. Um, as a very much a subplot, a minor subplot is that this Dr. Mark Powell has a, a beautiful wife and kids, but he also has a child from a previous relationship that he has no relationship with, that he thinks only contacts him for money. And it's actually the first time I think I'd ever seen Aaron Paul, you know, Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad. Yeah. That's sort of a young version of him. He only appears at the very end of the movie. And he appears because Dr. Powell reaches out to him. Yeah. He reaches out to him because this character, now whether whether it's he is an alien or not is not important, but he is quite wise. And he says to Dr. Powell, 
He says, one thing I've learned having visited Earth over many thousands of years about your, you people is that you are prone to making terrible mistakes and mucking up your lives. And he said, I also know what happens after people die. And we come back and we live the same lives over and over. And if you don't want to live the same mistakes that have pained you, then don't make them in the first place. Geez, uh, Aaron Paul must have been pretty young. Yeah, yeah. He was he was played like a you know, he's 17-year-old Australian yeah. son or something. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he's a seriously good actor. I, I think yeah, he Bra doesn't do much in this, but yeah, well, it's, I think, it's the I launching pad. I think Breaking Bad's the first thing I've ever seen him in, to be honest. Yeah, this predated that. Well, there you go. Uh, there are our movies. Uh, number 14, The Princess Bride for me and K-Pax for you, Finey. Let's turn our attention to top 20 songs. Uh, my number 14 song of all time. Now, if there is a single person listening to this podcast who doesn't know this song, I will, I was going to say eat my hat. I will do something equally stupid. Because there is just no chance of that. If you have uh, existed on this planet, you have heard this song. And uh, unusual for me, I don't usually go for super popular things. I, I like things that aren't too popular. But this is an exception because this is just such not only a game-changing song in terms of uh, the course of music history, but it's just a bloody great song. I'm not going to mention any more. Let's have a listen to the opening 40 or so seconds from one of the most famous songs in history, my number 14 song of all time. Smells like Teen Spirit. I'm going to ask you a question, Rowan. Do I like that song or not? Uh, yeah, I reckon you would. All right, we sort of agreed because we checked each other's lists not to duplicate. It would have been silly. That would have been probably number five for me, maybe yeah. even number four yeah, of all okay. time. Okay. That is such – and I'm not a huge Nirvana fan, mm. even though I like listening to their music, actually. But um, that has – that progresses through lyrically, musically, um, then then instrumentally. It steps up and steps back and steps up, and it is a brilliant piece of music by any stretch of the imagination. I've, I've read things about it. This is a cross-genre, so you don't have to be into that grunge music, accepted masterpiece. Really, it is. Well, everything about it was right, and particularly the timing. I mean, you know, the, the timing for the whole grunge thing was was right because rock music was in a real down period and we had, you know, hair metal. We had, you know, the likes of, um, you know, a Poison and Motley Crue and this sort of stuff, and it was all a bit bloated and a bit yuck. And uh, there'd been a lot of overproduced mu music through the 80s. 
And I can still remember this. Um, I can still remember Sean Carney from The Age, a uh, great guy, Sean, and great journo. But Sean wrote about politics, but he also wrote about music for EG. And I remember Sean bumping into me one day in the corridor and saying, you've got to hear this band Nirvana. And I, I hadn't heard anything. It was, it was right at the start of their sort of emergence. And uh, he told me about this song. And it just so happened, I think that night or a couple of nights later, I'm sitting at home and Rage comes on and the clip comes on. And it was one of those mind-blowing moments. I mean, that, that those opening bars, you know, the, the first few notes plucked on the guitar and then Dave Grohl's thumping um, bass drum and, and snare double, you know, it's just one of the most instantly recognisable 10 or 15 seconds of music in history. But it's just the production's great. So Butch Vig, you know, a lot of people reckon Nevermind is overproduced. I reckon the production is just A1. It's crisp and yet it's still loud and in your face. And, um, you know, that whole album is a production triumph, I reckon. But that song particularly... And the, you know, I guess the mood it captured of sort of alienation and that whole Generation X thing. Um, and, yeah, look, it's you mentioned sort of where you are about Nirvana. I, look, I really like them and I like everything they did. There are other Seattle bands I like more. Like I, I like both Soundgarden and Alice in Chains more than I like Nirvana, who are a bit more punky, sort of punk poppy, I think. Maybe the other bands were heavier and that's why I like them more. But um you know it just came at a really badly needed time in music history so for all those reasons it's just a hugely important song but not just an important song it's a bloody great song and it, it's still a sonic you know it's a rip a hole in your speakers classic i reckon and uh, and i still love it and still play it all the time and uh, still play the whole Nevermind album all the time and uh that sits very proudly for me number 14 on my uh, Favourite 20 songs of all time. So your turn, Fonny, your number 14 song. Well, just as your song is known by billions and it is a tour de force, almost a modern symphony in a way that sort of to describe its brilliance, mine is a very simple song, not known by many, never released as a single in this country or anywhere, I don't think. It appeared on James Rain's Electric Digger Dandy, and it was a cover of a song written and sung in 1987 by American singer-songwriter, folk country singer-songwriter John Hyatt. And the name of the song is Stood Up. And it, it, it's important to me. I, I really like the song. It's beautifully sung by James Rain. It's simple. It's man and guitar stuff. So it's, it's polar opposite to uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit. But... I like the message in it. it. It basically uses the term stood up and talks about, he talks about himself as somebody who's been knocked down a few times in life and, you know, stood up and I'll do it all again. But it was a song introduced to me and loved by uh, my great mate, Russell Gilbert, and he loved singing it. He had a good, has a good singing voice. Um, and unfortunately, in recent, recent years, uh, I don't see a lot of Gilbo and I won't go into the reasons, uh, but I still care for and love him dearly and I just loved this song because he loved this song and and it had a special meaning for us and whenever I hear it happy memories happy happy times so that's why I like the song and I and I also find it a 
you know, sometimes a good song just to play. It's a, it's a song I would play on my own, say, in the car or something, just to stop, you know, stop walking around with my chin on the ground and come on, get on with it. It's a good little personal motivational song as well. Uh, how about throwing to a grab from it? You know what? I do it and I'll, and I'll almost tear up. So here's a, a portion of James Rain's Stood Up. Stood up even when that love was wrong in me, lady. I got stood up once and left out in the poor world in me, baby. And then I stood up and I'll do it again. Yeah, I've got to say, I didn't know that. I'd, I'd never heard either. James Rain's version or John Hyatt's version, to be honest. And um, I do love that when a song has special meaning for people. And, uh, yeah, that's something else I get teary about. But So I can understand where you're coming from. And, uh, yeah, all the best to Russell Gilbert as well. Um, James Rain's solo career is really interesting. I, well, I, I was a bit of an Australian Crawl fan, not a, not a, you know, sort of devotee, but I liked a lot of stuff they did. I remember feeling a bit dubious about his solo album the first one came out in 1987 and I remember going out and buying it not expecting it much and really enjoying it and actually after seeing your choice of song I actually pulled it out last night on Spotify and had a listen again and um, yeah Electric uh, Digger Dandy did really well didn't it that was 1991 but the first one in 1987 had uh, a lot of songs that got played on the radio. Fall of Rome, Hammerhead. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, don't, you a, find, don't you find there's a time like on a weekend, a Sunday Arvo sometimes, where that sort of music's it's really sort of suitable, maybe in the car or, you know, out the back, nice but, day. Yeah, and it always takes me back to sort of when it was released too. So Fall of Rome, Hammerhead, uh, Motors Too Fast, Heaven on a Stick, uh, rip it up. I think they all got radio play. And the one that yeah. I've come to enjoy most off that, it's seven minutes too, Always the Way, which is a bit of a ballad, but the guitar on that is sensational. And then Electric Digger Dandy, um, trying to remember what the single off that was, but Stood Up is on that one and a very successful album as well. So there you go. Uh, number 14 songs, one of the... Uh, most uh, well, best known and most popular songs of all time and uh, a lesser known song from a very popular Australian performer. That was uh, two interesting songs, two interesting movies for vinyl and video this week. And next week we will be down to number 13 in our countdown of the top 20. You know what I'm, I'm thinking, yep. Rowan? Yep. That each week when we do these, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm thinking about the songs and the movies that I'm picking, and I love those songs and movies, and I can't sort of imagine that I've got 13 better, but bring them on, I, I guess I do. Well, there's a lot of music, a lot of movies out there. It's going to be fun counting down to our number one. All right, it's going to be fun doing this too, because right now we're going to revive an old segment. Life Hacks building a better world that's right life hacks is back random observations on uh, whatever 
has been uh, preoccupying us. Doesn't uh, there is it, there is subtle difference to the rant off? Doesn't have to be negative or positive. Doesn't have to be huge in depth. Just uh, you know, things and it's are, also not a monologue. And not a monologue. So uh, we we will discuss these, but. Uh, I've got an interesting one, which uh, we'll get to shortly, but uh, particularly interested to see what you've gone with, Finey, in our uh, relaunch of this popular segment from last year. What do you got for us? Well, you know me, Rowan. I can't look at names, a list of names, without my mind just running rampant. And, you know, that I've got a bit of Rain Man about me, but every year when the draft comes a, a out... Bit. Yeah, I do. I admit it. <laughs> Every year the draft comes out, there's always interesting names for various reasons. So I've um, cultivated this year's national draft, rookie draft, pre-season draft, the whole lot. Are you ready? And we can, you know, I'll get you involved as well. So I want to start with common names because one tree bore particular fruit in this year's draft and it was the Joshua tree. Oh, very yeah. good. I mean... Very good. And, and high picks, number six, Josh Rochelle Adelaide, number seven, Josh Ward Hawthorne, number nine, Josh Gibson, Gipkus Richmond, 12, Josh Sin Port Adelaide. That's a bit of a run of Josh's, isn't it? It is. And then Josh Goater at 22 to North Melbourne and Josh Fay at 42 to GWS. So Josh was the name. And there were also Jacks and Jakes, as usual. But there are a few names we've never seen before. So welcome to the AFL for the first time, a leak, leak a leer, Michito, Michito Owens, and an Arlo. I'm surprised this Arlo Draper is going to be the, he's off to Collingwood, the first ever Arlo to play footy. Yeah, wouldn't it have been good surprised. if the, wouldn't it be good if the Guthries would have named one of their <laughs> yes. kids Arlo? yes. Uh, yeah, it did, did cross my mind. It's the only other Arlo I can think of. Um, of course, we can all think of another Draper now if you're an Essendon supporter. But, uh, but what was, uh, yeah. Michito, was it? M-I-T-C. Japanese. Yeah, I was thinking Michi Japanese. Michito Owens. Hang yeah. on, I've got better names. Yeah, That's nothing. That's from the draft. The Category B rookies have thrown up some names that will have commentators floundering. There's a guy going to Collingwood called Bassirao Fay. It would have been easier if his name was Fay Bassirao. Um, Fremantle had, had signed as a B rookie, Ultam Callum, U-L-T-A-M. And what, what and, cultural origins is that? Um, I think that's sort of Turkish. Okay. Um, Bassirao Fay, African. And then a couple of Irishmen, Oishan, O-I-S-O, I-N, and Fion, F-I-O-N-N. They're first names, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. that, yeah, always something to wrap your head around. Not to mention this person. Now, how about this guy? The, we're going to have our first Messiah playing league football. But St Kilda has had 1,628 players since, 1908, since 1897, Rowan. Yeah. And hopefully, Desire Wanganin Malera, the number 11 pick overall, will make his debut this season. And he'll go straight to the top of the list as the longest surname to ever play for the St Kilda football Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, yep. for St Kilda. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, we're going to... Longest we, ever. 
we're going to see a few more of them, aren't we? Because uh, hyphenated surnames are becoming ever more common. And um, that is a sign of um, families deciding to uh, take both the mother's and father's surname, I think, primarily. And um, uh, in fact, I saw a, what did I say, a case the other day, some reality uh, couple or no, some celebrity couple marriage where the guy is actually taking the um, his wife's surname, um, which is a bit of a role reversal. But anyway, um, it's a great segue. We have not prepared this because you're right about hyphenated names. This is the likely starting midfield for North Melbourne. Not only is it going to be a handful for opposition, it's going to be a mouthful for commentators because their midfield may well be Davies Uniaki, Horn Francis, that sounds like a midfield already. That's only half of it, Goldstein and Cunnington. I mean, when you've got... Well, that's a lot of names in the midfield. Yeah, the umpires might have to do a, a head count. count. <laughs> now, at pick 17, Richmond took a name that I think is less... It, 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 it has less football cachet. Tom Brown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but he's supposed to be a very good player. So I think the spelling is a bit different. I think it's just an no, e. no e on the end. Yeah. Um, he, all right. He's, he's allowed an E. Okay. So at 46, how about this one? At 46, your team has picked Alistair Lord. Yes, I saw that. I saw that. Only one letter difference there as well. Yeah. I wondered how many people that would ring a bell with. Um, but I've got my two favourites, Robin, to finish up with. Okay, this is a finish, is it? I keep going to wind this up. And, okay, yep. yeah. No, you like these. These are good. Okay. We're going to have our fourth Jack Williams because he got drafted by West Coast. Now, the first only played four games for Fitzroy. The second was a dual premiership player for Geelong. But I'm betting that the third Jack Williams will not – the current Jack Williams will not adopt the surname of the third Jack Williams. Do you remember his surname? It'll never be heard again, ever, in football. Hang on, I'm confused. I thought the surname was Williams. Uh, sorry, nickname. Nickname, sorry. Oh, uh, no. What was it? Jack Bashup Williams. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, probably not. The infamous man who got reported three times in the Bloodbath Grand Final. Yes. Once hey, for taking an aggressive attitude to the umpire. Got 12 weeks. What about uh, Johns who get called Jack? Do they count yeah. as Jack Williams? So no, no, because there was a John Williams, I think, played for Essendon. Correct. And Collingwood. Yep. Uh, briefly. All right. No, uh, Rowan, I'm sorry, but the best is for last. Okay. You see I know. That. Okay, yeah, yeah go on. This is, this is a good one. All right, good. Pick 43 is Arthur Jones of the Western Bulldogs. He's going to be the first Arthur to play for the Bulldogs since Arthur Edwards, the member of the 54 Premiership team. <laughs> but it more is, importantly... Arthur Edwards, of course, Alan Edwards' father, yep. More importantly, he is the second ever Arthur Jones to play league football. The first played seven games in 1914 for Fitzroy. He was a very good player recruited from Tassie and was a member of... Uh, the semi-final team that lost to Carlton for Fitzroy, a star of the future. But like many Australians, he signed up to go to the Great War and he was killed at Gallipoli on the 7th of August, 1915. It was a career interrupted. And now, 106 years later, 107 years later, there's a new Arthur Jones. And in a small way, 
that career interrupted, hopefully will be taken up by this very exciting young and Aboriginal footballer. So it's been a long time since there's been an Arthur Jones play. He made the ultimate sacrifice and we've got a new Arthur Jones to remind us of the great talent that was the first Arthur Jones. That is a very interesting story. I really do mean that. That is. Um, all right. Okay, I'm going to go brief after that because... Well, yeah. that's, a, that's, a, that's not going to be my regular... No, no, that's good. No, I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. I, okay. I could say that's all, folks, because there's going to be Warner Brothers at Sydney. All right. Like, can I actually go now? <laughs> you... All right. Go for it. Okay. Um, well, as I haven't talked about this for a while, but I, I am still... This is the longest house move in history... Um, I'm getting some work done on the place I'm moving to and um, still probably, I don't know, probably be about another month before I'm finally ensconced in this new place. But I am beginning to sort of gather things together for the move. And it's made me realise a couple of things. One, um, uh, no, I think I already knew this. I'm a shocking hoarder. And I really, really have trouble, um, you know, separating uh, from keepsakes that really have no value in my life. And uh, I, I was thinking about this last night. I was thinking, you know what? I really need some sort of light bulb moment that makes me just go, oh, bugger this. You know, I don't need this. I don't need this. Anyway, I remember a few years ago, everyone crapping on about, um, what's her name? Marie Kondo, the uh, sort of uh, organisational expert who helped you clear up your mess. And it was a series on Netflix which I never saw, but I'm sort of thinking I, I should, quite seriously, I should watch it now. And he was just reading a little bit about her philosophies and um, they really do make sense. I mean, you hang on to all this stuff um, because of the sentimental value, but then you never actually look at it. It always sort of hangs out at the bottom of a drawer or a cupboard or something. So it's not like you leaf through it, uh, you know, sort of revisiting these old memories anyway. And do you actually need it to revisit old memories if they're in your head already? And the other thing I was thinking was that particularly now in the internet age, how much stuff do we have that we don't actually need to have? And I was thinking about my own situation. Okay, CDs. Like I have got, I think I've got about 500 CDs. Don't need them anymore. Like everything is digital, um, videotapes. I haven't even owned a you know, v videos. I haven't even owned a VCR for <laughs> ten years. I have, um, I have probably over five hundred old videotapes, and <laughs> that's we're, ridiculous. We're talking, but not VHS. I've got Beta as well, and we're talking about you know sort of Essendon games from nineteen eighty three. I've recorded on the replay, and I keep fantasizing about you know digitizing it all one day. Well, if I've got to spare ten years, maybe, but all that useless. Even things like I've got some really old, you know, lovingly curated football records, but even stuff like that, the v, uh, the AFL put out leather-bound copies of all the old records a few years ago, and I've got them. All that stuff's sort of digitised now as well. Um, you know, books, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There is so much stuff I've got that not only do I not need, I've got it in other forms now anyway. So... You know, if I was really ruthless about this, I reckon I could make this move with, um, you know, a couple of boxes of clothes and and that's about it. Even clothes, finally. I've got, you know, like I've out, because I've got so fat, 
I've outgrown so many of my shirts, but I've got about 50 shirts hanging in the wardrobe. Um, you know, someone... I was actually going to comment, Rowan. You don't look fat. You look better than I've seen you recently. Have you started going to gym, mate? Well, funny you mention that. Um, yeah, I... funny I'd mention that. I'll tell you why in a second. Okay, well, I've, I'm, I've just literally joined in the last couple of days. I haven't actually been yet, but I have been on the treadmill a bit. I've lost about six kilos in about... I don't know, three weeks. So I've got a lot more to go. But um, yeah, I've, I've been inspired to clean up my act a bit, Finey. Uh, this is true. But anyway. Hang on. Do you know why I know you've gone to gym? Uh, no. Because you put me down as a name for something and I got oh, a, they rung I got you a already. five minutes before our podcast and the guy wouldn't let me go. Oh, no, sorry. Yeah, I Oh, didn't. Rowan really expects you to come and blah, blah, blah. I did. I said, I said, well, he might expect me to come, but I ain't going. Oh, sorry. I did mean to warn everyone in advance. Oh, God. Okay, geez, they're keen. Um, <laughs> they are keen. He made, uh, it sound, he made it sound like you, you're a... One of their best regulars. <laughs> I haven't been yet. He did, uh, I swear. He goes, oh, Rowan's really keen for you to join him. <laughs> oh, God. Well, as soon as we finish this, I'm getting on the phone to warn off the other four, <laughs> four people that I had to recommend to get my discount. You know discount. what I said to him? What? <laughs> I said, I don't think I'll be able to keep up with him. He sounds like he's going gangbusters. <laughs> yes, it's going great. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, if you knew the reason for my motivation... Uh, you'd understand, but uh, we're not going to talk about that at any time soon. Um, all right, so there's my uh, life hacks for this week. Decluttering, I think we could all probably do with that. And, uh, yeah, Marie Kondo, I'm going to check out that series because I think I could really benefit from it. Can I ask you a question? I'm not a big hoarder. I, I like my collectibles, but I've got a small size-wise collection. What I refuse to throw out is old sporting equipment under the – misconception that yeah i might play a game of cricket sometime or you know golf clubs fair enough but i've got two cricket bats pads etc etc what i don't think i'm going to play cricket i've got footies i've got footy boots what have i got footy boots for yep same got it all still got my old spike cricket spikes i've got, I've got yeah, bat, bats, get rid of them? gloves uh I, i've still got the old uh, remember the old tony Gregg. SP one piece. Oh yeah, gloves. I loved them. I've still got them from the mid seventies. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, I loved. I, I remember the first time I saw a kid wearing them playing. The next, like as soon as the game was over, I bought them. Like yeah. straight after it was twelve thirty in the morning, and I rushed to night sports, and they were still open. Only problem being that as soon as they hit the glove, they would trampoline off the glove and give the easiest catch of all time. Yeah, I didn't. I, you're right. I, did. I bought foam pads once that used to, if you nicked it on the pads, I, I got caught it mid-off. <laughs> yeah. All right. And that's it, enough for life hacks. But back, we will bring that's good fun. one life hack each every week during this off-season. But wait, there's more. <laughs> Footy flashbacks. All right, flashback time. And we've got a couple of rippers this week. Um, and I think uh, people will remember both these, or I certainly remember my one because it's a grand final. But I'll tell you what, Finey, every time I watch this game again, I have the same reaction. Is not only is this one of the possibly the most underrated grand final, I reckon, of the AFL era, but it is 
it is one of the classic grand finals and it, it never gets talked about as much as the playoff between the same teams a year before for various reasons. But this is so far and away a better game. Um, and okay, I'll blow my cards on the table here. We're talking 2006 grand final, West Coast and Sydney. This was a much better game, flowing game of footy, you know, tough, defensive, but still with enough scoring. West Coast led by close to or right on five goals at halftime. The Swans came back. It was the absolute height of their rivalry when they'd had, what, you know, half a dozen or so games all decided by less than a kick. Um, this was another one. Uh, one of the great, I reckon, one of my favourite commentary lines when the siren went uh, from Anthony Hudson. Who'd have thought the sequel would be as good as the original? Um, uh, fantastic game. Brave comeback from the Swans. Neck and neck. Um, just one more thing before we throw to the absolutely thrilling last few minutes, Finey. One of the reasons this is so underrated, this is a grand final in which um, five goals were kicked in less than 10 minutes late in the last quarter. And even, you know, the noted classic grand finals, let's say West Coast Collingwood 2018, you didn't have five goals kicked in the last 10 minutes. Um, it was just goal for goal. And then after the last goal was kicked, um, there was nearly three minutes played out with just a point the difference. Absolutely gripping tension. The other thing, just from a personal perspective, I had a vested interest in is that I was one of the Norm Smith judges for this game. And it was a really, really tough call um, to give the votes in this one. And uh, I remember agonising suitably, but just a fantastic game of footy. Let's throw to the climax of the 2006 grand final between West Coast and Sydney. Here we go, the five-minute warning. The Eagles lead Sydney by a point. Could we have a draw? I'll go with it now as the ball's kicked to the 50. Huge pack fly. Stendline. Buchanan put the head down. Got it out to O'Keefe. Kick smothered. Chick. Canelli running on empty. They all are. Snyder to centre half forward. Teddy Richards, Melcheski, Chick. Oh, he's got it, Teddy! He touched the boots of James Hurd once when he was struggling at Essendon. Is there any magic left on the boots? Into the pocket. He just about found the man, O'Loughlin, not quite. Dean Cox got a bend deep. Did he drop it? Play on. He's still in trouble. O'Loughlin there to swoop. It's still alive for the Swans. Bolton's coming. He's still coming. Bolton. Buchanan was there waiting for it. It's a hot ball in the pocket. He's still going Buchanan. Out to Malczewski. The young man, Nick Malczewski. He's kept it. Oh, there's one point in a pandemonium at the MCG. 29 minutes gone, the Eagles by one. Well, the last time the grand final was decided by a point was the 1966 grand final. St Kilda beat Collingwood. We've got to throw in. Eagles have got extra numbers back. Eagles have got three extra players in there. 
defensive half. And that's something that they didn't do in that last close game against Sydney. Cox against Doyle. And another oh, stalemate. Well, the Swans have got to do it. Left. The Swans have got to roll the dice. Someone's got to stand 10 metres off this pack and just hit it and take a punt. So once again, it's Cox against Doyle. Ball spills free. Back of the pack is Cousins. Cleverly done. Ben Cousins has a bounce, backs himself. Handballs to Fletcher. Eagles maintaining possession. Kerr goes into the middle. Here's the moment for the Swans. Leo Barry's in there. No one taking a backward step. Lynch just manages to get through oh. the ball. Waters keeps it alive. Waters is dumb tired. Now O'Keefe, the ball comes back to Waters. Now picked up by Fosdyke. Fosdyke's got to get it moving quickly. Kicks to the 50. Dempster's there. Can't take the mark. Glass will see it over. Throw in. There can't be long. There cannot be long to go. What the West Coast Eagles lead by a point. Can the Swans do it? Simon! Who would have thought the sequel would be just as good as the original? The West Coast Eagles are the premiers for 2006. Yeah, I had an inkling, Rowan, that you were voting in that game, and I was going to ask you, I mean, what time did you have to put your vote in? Because famously they go in before the end of the game, and this game... The last five minutes could well tell us who the best player on the ground was. Well, I'm glad you asked because uh, that was a real controversy after the 2002 grand final when Nathan Buckley won the Norm Smith, but uh, the votes did go in from the judges that day uh, at least five minutes before the end. And I think afterwards the consensus was that perhaps Michael Voss would have won it because he controlled the last five minutes. So after that controversy, the AFL basically said all judges, you know, the votes will not be collected until the end of the game. So you can imagine my surprise and uh, let's say dismay when um, about, I I reckon it was still about four or five minutes before the end, I got a tap on the shoulder from an AFL official asking for my votes. And... um, uh, not their fault, of course, but I, I, didn't, I don't think I was too rude, but I certainly turned around and said, no way. You know, I said, <laughs> no, no, not doing it. Because, you know, we didn't know who was going to win. It was a point, the difference. Um, and I did, <laughs> as it t- transpired, I didn't change what I had at that time. And that's a funny thing. It was a really, really close call, but all the judges, and I think there were four or five of us, we all had Andrew Embley with the three votes. So he actually, okay, actually ended up winning comfortably. But um, he, you know, he wasn't a clear best on ground. But, geez, he, he did play a great game and he kicked a couple of goals. Uh, match saving Mark, uh, as you heard there in the end, uh, as the Swans attacked. He played a, a fantastic game and, and thoroughly deserving winner. But great game of footy. And, look, if you haven't seen it again, uh, I, I tell you, to drag out the last quarter of that game. It is an absolutely epic game of footy and um, uh, certainly one of the great grand finals of the modern era. 
Uh, all right, finally, you haven't got a grand final. Well, it sort of is a grand final, a de facto grand final, because this is uh, certainly one of the best rivalries in footy. Tell us about it. All right, I'm going to reverse engineer it a bit. I want to take us back to 2013. It is the last ever showdown. Of course, the huge rivalry, rivalry between Port Adelaide and Adelaide had already been uh, set in stone but it's the last ever at Football Park. And we're going to pick it up with a minute 45 roughly left on the clock and the Crows leading by eight points. Take it away. Jacobs directs it down, standing up. Corn's got a hand pass away to E, but those famous names again. O'Shea out of defence. A minute 45 of playing time remaining. Trengove can carry the ball. Now it's one-on-one inside the forward 50. Angus, after his man slipped over, takes Talia on again. Ben Burlo closing. Monfries has kicked the goal. Unbelievable. That makes up for Robbie Gray in the first quarter. Haven't seen anything like that. It's gone at right angles. Right angles, Tim. I saw it, Dennis. I still don't believe it, though. Was it the right angle, Tim? It went at a right angle. I did mathematics in grade five. That was a right angle. That was an amazing kick. This is going for the points. I mean, there was never, ever going to be anything bar behind. Well, Look at the bend on that. But Pythagoras is watching. Explain that. Mike Gatting still looking around at his stumps, wondering what happened. We've got one right now. You feel that it'll be... One way or the other, Boat, what a last quarter. Thompson tries to strip him. Ebert, Port have got the momentum, but Adelaide are in front. Everything to play for for the Crows. Gray was brave, running hard, more getting forward. One last chance, Boat brilliant, winds. Montfries centering ball, Cassisi. You know who again. It is his birthday. He's a freak. He's a freak. Well, he's been well, at the end. And it's appropriate that he will probably have the final say. One way or the other, you reckon. It rests on his boot. What a champion he is. He's 19 years of age. He's the most important footballer right now in this state. He's just played himself into the All-Australian team. No doubt about that. I reckon he was nearly there, Tim. Now he's certainly there. They won't keep him out of the All-Australian team. Great. Good play there by Angus Monfries. I mean, he could have blazed away then. He kicked it to the numbers there. What a grab. I mean, that's just courage in the air, too. Taking on the responsibility of a game for somebody so young. You can only wonder what he's going to become. Need clean ball out of the middle. Boke has generally been dominant in this second half, particularly his final quarter. This time it's Trengard knocked it down to his own advantage. Long kick inside the forward 50. Laird has to hustle back. Now it's out of bounds. He stops the clock, but it's down at 14, and it's decidedly at the wrong end of the ground. He knows that. And now... The most unlikely of victories. They've kept on coming. Boundary throw-in. Deep in the pocket. Showdown 35. Port with a chance to go to the finals. They're playing like it. Jacobs. We're down to seven seconds. Missed outside the 50. Gathered by Cassisi. It's all over. 
Pittard's long kick has gone out of bounds on the full and what a historic victory. How about that, Bruce? What a performance. Unbelievable stuff. I remember watching it live, Fanny, and uh, really you know, hard to believe, given that Adelaide were 20 points up at almost the 21-minute mark of that game. and um, now that, That's a key point, Rowan. You said that underrated is a good word to describe your grand final, and I agree. This is one of the great comebacks of all time, given there's only 10 minutes ago in the bitterest of rivalries, last time ever at Football Park. And I'll explain why it's even more important later, but how about those goals to finish the game? Yeah, well, Robbie Robbie Gray kicked the the first of the the last four for the power. Wingard bobbed up with his fourth, and then I tell you what, I've often called that uh, bounce of the ball away from Stephen Milne in the two thousand ten grand final the craziest bounce of all time. But uh, boy, it's got some competition from that goal, that huge off break from Angus Monfries. I mean, um, if it doesn't ring a bell, have a look at it on YouTube. The ball has bounced closer to the point post than the goal post before doing just the most savage off break and somehow finding the gap between the two goal posts. Ridiculous goal. And then, of course, Monfrey's setting up the match winner for Chad Wingard, his fifth goal. Amazing, amazing finish. And uh, to that stage, it was the closest result in a showdown between those two teams. So yeah, fan- fantastic games, game. All those days of football park. Earlier in the year, uh, it was a nine-point margin. So now here's what's interesting about the game. You see, after the before the game, uh, Adelaide were in twelfth uh, position on twenty-eight points, and Port Adelaide were eighth on forty points. So after Port Adelaide won round nineteen, you pretty well sort of said, okay. Well, that's it. You know, there's uh, one team's won 11 games, the other team's won seven games. But the season ends with Adelaide in 11th position on 40 points, 108.1%, and Port Adelaide 7th on 48 points, 102.4. If Adelaide hang on and win, they're in the eight and Port Adelaide miss out. So... You know, it, it's it's more than just the last game at Football Park between these two bit of rivals. It was a rare occasion where the result cost one team a spot in the eight at the expense of the other. Uh, yeah, crazy season for a number of reasons. Finally, nonetheless, the side that officially yeah, finished ninth on the ladder had 56 points. Yeah, well, that it, it did look... All right, OK. Fair enough. But you, but you, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I do, I do. Uh, sorry, <laughs> and for the, I forgot. For, I forgot you were the meat in the sandwich there. Those who haven't twigged, uh, that was of course the year Essendon was disqualified from the finals <laughs> for a uh, slight misdemeanour involving uh, training preparations. Um, I'm joking for everyone who still um, is all you know what about that. A touchy subject, but um, yeah, amazing game, and uh, they are two great footy flashbacks. And an appropriate note to finish this episode uh, on Finey. Um, good fun this week. Good to have Life Hacks back. Thanks for listening, everyone. Be sure you uh, continue to support our podcast. You can uh, uh, 
visit the supporter page and um, give to what hurts if you haven't already, or you can become an official Footyology patron at one of the many links on footyology.com.au. Plenty of good website content still happening on Footyology, not just footy stuff, of course, but we do politics, we do entertainment, we do social commentary. It's all there and some really good quality writing um, from a purely self-interested uh, point of view. Have a look out on Twitter for Roco's Rant because I've taken that to social media, Finey, and uh, I've uh, started indulging. It's you, I, I, I saw, I think, the first one. Gee, there's some reaction to that. You have got, you are made of sturder stuff than me, Rowan, but the numbers of people who are getting involved in watching it, we are talking really in this country very very large numbers and very relevant so well done well thank you i've been gratified by the response the first video is up to i think over sixty thousand views now so well when i saw it it was it was sixty thousand plus so it is over it robert all right uh anyway check that out if you're so inclined and then you can abuse me appropriately on the uh twitter platform you saw it on All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, Have a great weekend. Uh, Stay safe. Uh, As I say to my son every weekend when he goes out, don't be a dickhead. Um, We'll catch you later.